When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready, set. Spartan Race is back for 2018, and we're accepting no excuses. Barbed wire crawls, tire drags, spear throws, and much more. Whatever your ability, you'll discover the right challenge for you. Take on our 5 to 25 kilometer events designed to push you to limits you never knew you could overcome. Complete an obstacle course race and let adventure back into your life. Are you ready to unleash your inner Spartan warrior? Visit spartanrace.uk. Welcome into the Titan Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. It is the first victory Monday of the season for the Titans. They were able to defeat divisional rival the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road 37 to 16 in their first division game of the season. Last year, division wins came at a premium for the Titans. They only won two, both of them came at home at Nissan Stadium against the Texans and the Jaguars. Yesterday, they started off on a very good note. They are now 1-0 and in the division, and though it doesn't matter, I guess they're technically in first place in the division after one week. Uh, very important yesterday that the Titans get off to a good start inside the division. Yeah, I kind of wish we could just end the season now and take home the the AFC South crown um, now, but uh, it, it really was nice to, to bounce back after, after a tough loss at home uh, in the first week uh, and to come, uh, I guess they, I wouldn't say they came out flat in this one, uh, but the offense left a little bit to be desired in the first half. Uh, but they really got rolling in the second half. And uh, we saw last year just how important these division games are. Um, we missed out on the playoffs because of our division record. So, uh, just getting back on track, getting that first one of the season, and also it being a division uh, win is just is just really good uh, overall. Yeah, I mean, there's six games every year that, that every team plays that are the most important games on the schedule because they're division games, they're AFC games. You know, the, it's what decides the tiebreakers between you and the other people in your division. So, you know, in the AFC South, only one team has a win over the Jaguars, and that's the Titans, not the Texans, and that could end up being the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's good to to get that first division win on the road, uh, even though it's in Jacksonville. We saw last year what happened in Jacksonville. Uh, so we already have one uh, road win in the division. Uh, we play the Colts twice. We play the Texans, who don't look very good twice, and we play the Jags again. So uh, this is shaping up to be a very successful season, at least in the division for the Titans. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that it was kind of a story of two halves for the Titans. They really struggled early on, and then they kind of settled in in the second half, especially on offense. One of the reasons that they struggled in the f- first part of the first half was that they were unable mostly to stop Leonard Fournette in the running game. It seemed like the Jacksonville offensive line was getting an incredible amount of uh, – um, 
I, anchor, I guess, is the word. I, was, I had a word in mind. I, I, <laughs> a push. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> they were getting a great amount. The opposite of an anchor. Yeah, they were, they were getting a, a great amount of push. But as the game wore on and the Titans committed more to stopping the run, they were getting a, a good amount of penetration and really stopping Leonard Fournette, who – I think only finished the day with like 41 yards on 12 carries or something like that. Yeah, he finished uh, 40 carries on, uh, no, 14 carries uh, for for 40 yards, uh, <laughs> which we said uh, one of the keys was, well, I said the main key going into this game was hold Leonard Fournette uh, under under four yards of carry and we'll win this game. Uh, and we saw that happen. Um, it happened a little bit more. Uh, more than I thought. Uh, I didn't think we were going to completely blow them out, especially considering their defense was pretty good. We saw that uh, in the first half. Uh, and I was getting a little concerned in the first half because we were kind of just completely feeding into the into the Jaguars' game plan. They want to make these games really sloppy, uh, just defensive battles, and just they want to melt the clock with their running game and control the game. Uh, and they were doing it for pretty much the entire first half. Uh, but they couldn't get anything going through the through the air, uh, which is why they couldn't put up points. Uh, and then once we once we built up a lead in the in the second half, you just saw that they couldn't commit to the run, uh, and they just got absolutely blown out. So um, we we made some pretty good halftime adjustments in this game, and I think I think uh, the coaches deserve a lot of the credit for that. Yeah, I mean. You know, stopping Fournette was important, and somebody who stepped up, who we may talk about later, I'm not sure, is Austin Johnson, who played one more snap in the game than Sylvester Williams. So, I mean, that you know, nobody called out 94's name a lot during the game, but I, I mean, I think people, and I think Matias especially has talked some about him, but he, you know, mm-hmm. he did very well. I mean, he flashed during the game, and I, I tweeted a couple of times, I need to go back and just watch some of the line play, but I mean, when I can see your number and you're tackling Fournette one-on-one, that's a great job. You know, at the end of the day, the Titans had five players who rushed uh, on average for more yards than Fournette did. So anytime you can do that, you should beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. As the president of the Austin Johnson fan club, this was a a fantastic (laughs) game for us, (laughs) for the truthers. Uh, Even though I keep getting comments that Austin Johnson isn't good. He's good, guys. He's a very solid player. Uh, in 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 this game in particular, I thought he 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 was pretty good in the pass rush also as well as I mean we know he's good in the run game, uh, but if he can get uh, get that pass rush going a little bit more than he did last season, he's going to be uh, a key contributor on this defense, especially with Sylvester Williams uh, playing a more of a minor role than maybe we expected. And it, it really showed, you know when a second-round pick is supposed to develop. I mean, Derrick Henry had a huge game. Austin Johnson had a huge game. Kevin, Kevin Dodd, Dodd had a huge game. Not, not, yeah, <laughs> not not so much. Maybe maybe we kind of know what he is already. But, you know, Malar- uh, Malarkey and Robinson both said that it takes a year for some of these guys to fully develop, and you're starting to see some of the fruits of that, you know, 2016 second-round class. Yeah, uh, for sure. During the preseason, I uh... – I wrote an article on Titan sized saying that Derrick Henry was underwhelming as a player. Did not call him a bad player. Did not say I did not like him. I simply said he had been underwhelming and I was met with blazing fury. And even yesterday when Derrick Henry showed out against the Jaguars stout front four, I still got tweets, people saying, you like him now? What do you think about Derrick Henry now? 
<laughs> Here's what I think about Derrick Henry now. I think that the Derrick Henry we saw yesterday is the Derrick Henry that Titans fans have been imagining we've had for the last year and a half. He showed up yesterday for the first time. He ran between the tackles. He picked up speed. He stuck his foot in the ground, and he ran over people. I mean, what we've had for the last year and a half was this 6'3 running back that would take carries and fall forward, which is the same thing Chris Johnson did, only Derrick Henry is slightly bigger, so he got more yards doing that. Yesterday, we saw a freak of a running back go to work against a really good front four, and Titans fans now more than ever should be really excited about Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think it's okay to say that he wasn't all that great in the preseason. Anyone who watched the preseason probably should say the same thing, but maybe they wouldn't um, just because they love him, which is fine. Uh, he, he's a fan favorite. Uh, I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy winning running back, and whenever he gets ahead of steam and he's running people over, it's amazing to see. Uh, and you kind of saw that in this game, which was really nice because uh, DeMarco Murray was struggling a bit. Um, he's clearly still not over the, the hamstring injury that hampered him. Uh, um, during training camp, preseason, and possibly in week one. Um, but, yeah, you saw what Derrick Henry can do uh, when when he's in that closer role, uh, just melting away a game. Um, and on his 17-yard touchdown run, that was just quintessential Derrick Henry and just quintessential uh, blocking from the Titans line. Uh, they gave him a nice hole to run through um, uh, for him to get like 10 yards downfield and then just do his thing. So that was really good to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it should be any surprise that we're going to come out and praise Derrick Henry. He did a really good job, but, you know, we're going to give our honest opinions. When we see him struggle in the preseason, we're going to say he's struggling in the preseason. You know, we, we've got no biases against Titans players. That You know, we all want every Titan to be an all-pro. So if we come out and say something negative or we don't like the way a player's playing, it's not because we want them to fail. I mean, I'm a Tennessee grad, and I think Derrick Henry was – clearly the best one of the best players on the field yesterday and he's from Alabama so I mean it, it, there's there's no bias here once you're wearing blue you're wearing blue so no I mean he did very well and I think that's the back that you saw in flashes in the preseason last year and you saw in the Jacksonville game last year in in different times where he really flashed that kind of explosive you know I'm gonna run over the guys I want to punish mentality and when you get that in compliment to DeMarco Murray whenever he gets healthy that's a dangerous tandem yeah and let me just shower a little bit of praise to the guys up front uh the offensive line looked really good in this game particularly Ben Jones and Josh Klein have been outstanding to start this season uh and they're picking up where they left off and possibly playing even better than they did last year because Henry had such a good game yesterday, 92 yards on 14 carries, an average of 6.6 yards per carry, uh, this talk has begun as to whether or not Henry has done enough to supplant DeMarco Murray as this team's bell cow and workhorse. I don't think so, not because I don't like Derrick Henry, because quite frankly, after yesterday's, I'm a, I'm a full believer now. But with DeMarco Murray, you have more receiving ability you have better pr mm -hmm. pass protection. And let's not act like DeMarco Murray is is anything other than, than what he is. He's a Pro Bowl running back. He's a former All-Pro. He's not even 30 years old yet. There's a good chance that the reason he's looked kind of slow is because he's still dealing with that hamstring injury. I don't think that this is Derrick Henry's offense quite yet.
No, I don't. I don't think so either. I think people are jumping the gun a little bit. Um, yeah, Demarco hasn't looked. He hasn't looked fit, to be honest. Uh, I think he. They might have rushed him back, or he might have rushed himself back. Um, the report is that he asked um, Malarkey to sit out himself because he felt that he tweaked his hamstring, and he's day to day right now. Um, I'm okay just setting him out another week, maybe two, um, just to get him fully healthy because we're going to need him for that stretch run. Uh, and like you said, DeMarco just gives you so much versatility in the backfield. You saw how good he was as a receiver last year. We haven't seen it this year yet, but last season he was arguably maybe our second best receiver uh, in general, but behind maybe Delaney or Richard, whichever one you want to pick. Uh, but he was just that good. He was making clutch catches in games like, uh, in key situations like against the Chiefs and the Lions. Uh, and I, I don't want to say that Derrick Henry can't do that, um, but I don't think he can to the level of DeMarco Murray, um, who's proven it time and time again in, in this league. Yeah, I mean, I think, now I have to kind of word this differently. I think every game you should start out with DeMarco Murray in there because you should be more aggressive trying to get the lead. And I think when he's in there, there's much more of a calm and pass protection. It seems like the line and he work very well, shifting the right way, picking up the right guys. Sometimes you can tell Henry gets frantic and comes across the line because he misjudged where a guy's going to be. And and that's disconcerting to a quarterback. So, you know, until you're up, I think DeMarco Murray is the guy you want in. Now, as soon as you're up, I mean, whether it's 3-0, 7-0, I'm putting in Derrick Henry if he can give me what we saw yesterday. And he may not be able to. But, I mean, it wasn't like that defense was slouches against uh, the Houston Texans the week before. I mean, they were very good the week before. So, if this offensive line can create those gaps and they can use, you know, Ben Jones beating the center and get or beating uh, nose tackle and getting to the second level, you know Klein looking much better, Lawan doing his thing, it, you know Conklin getting a little bit better. He's kind of struggled early in the season. You know if those guys can really get you some room to run and get him that one or two yards he needs before he can really pick up that steam, then as soon as I'm up, I'm putting in Henry and I'm just pounding it. I mean, I mean I'm trying to run out the clock while getting those six yards of carry and bruising those defenders because eventually when you're ready to put Murray back in, you've got a healthier back, you know, who's rested and who's going against defenders that just need a blow, you know, and that's your faster back, you know, not that either one of them are burners, but that's the guy who's more elusive and who can cut better. And he, if he gets, you know, one, two yards, I think he can turn that into three or four yards consistently. So the Jaguars defense, I think, proved yesterday that they are as advertised. I was very impressed with how they played. And really the only reason that the Jaguars lost, or at least lost as badly as they did, was because of how dysfunctional their offense was. It was Mm -hmm. run, 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 two-yard pass, run, run, run. Blake Bortles, who I used to think think very, very highly of, I liked him a lot. The last two years, he has regressed so rapidly. And in the second half, he killed his team with the amount with, with the turnovers and the inaccurate passes. He's not good. I mean, and we've been saying that for a while, but finally getting to watch him yesterday for the first time this year, he is not good. He looks like one of those old pitchers whose arm is just shot, but he still has a good arm. The problem is he has no confidence in it whatsoever, uh, and his mechanics are just 
baffling. I, I don't know what he's doing back there. Um, one of the interceptions I don't think was his fault. It was a good play by Williamson to tip it up in the, the air. Uh, but the throw to Marquise Lee that ended in an inter- interception, it's it was way, way behind him. him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was completely on him. Um, and I agree. Uh, the Jaguars' defense was pretty much as, as advertised for all, more than half of this game, really. Um, but but the two interceptions were killer. Uh, and so was um, get, giving up a 46-yard return to Adore Jackson on special teams. Uh, I thought that re- the Jackson return kind of just sparked the, the whole game. I think it was 9-3 to when that happened. Uh, and we scored a touchdown right after that, so that was a huge play in the game. I want to real quick. I want to kind of shift the discussion into Adoree Jackson because after the game, Mike Malarkey made the comment that what you saw Adoree Jackson do on that forty-six yard punt return, he said we haven't had anything like that around here in years. A punt returner where when the ball's in their hands and they make that first wave miss, look out. Dexter McCluster was never that. Dexter McCluster had bricks for feet. Mark Mariani had bigger bricks for feet. And if you're talking about, like, in the passing game, someone who could be a spark in that kind of regard, Kendall Wright had banana peels for feet. I mean, (laughs) the Titans have not had an exciting playmaker since Chris Johnson left for the New York Jets, where if they're in space, they're gone. Dory Jackson is that. Mm -hmm. He's lived up to every expectation and more through two games, not just his punt returning, because let's face it, just about anyone that's as fast as he is is going to be pretty good at punt returning. I've been most impressed with his defense, which has been very, very good. Yeah, he bounced back very well uh, in week one. Uh, They were targeting him very heavily with Amari Cooper, uh, and he gave up the touchdown, but I thought he bounced back really well, uh, made some some good pass deflections and just good coverage in general. Uh, and in this game, I thought he looked even more comfortable out there uh, than he did in week one, uh, which is expected from a rookie, of course. Uh, he wasn't picture perfect by any means. No rookie corner is expected to be picture perfect. Um, but I, I could just sense the confidence growing in him. Uh, and he's just playing well. And he's making he's tackling Leonard Fournette behind the line of scrimmage. That's amazing. That That's was the last incredible. Time one of our cornerbacks did that. Yeah, that was a great play. So. He's looking like the whole package right now, and I just can't wait to see him a couple of years down the road when he's really perfected his technique uh, as a cornerback. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's going to be what Pac-Man Jones should have been for the Titans. I mean, he's aggressive. He can play balls in the air. He's one of the most dynamic term, return men. I mean, he's He's also not verifiably insane. Yeah, like, well, we don't know him that well, but, but you know, I, I assume he's not. I mean, right now, I mean, right now he leads uh, the NFL in punt return average. I mean, and you can say it's only been you know two weeks, whatever. But I mean, you know, he has twenty yards of punt return average, and he's returned three. I mean, if he can, if he can manage to do anything close to that long term. By the way, the Texans have one of the worst special teams units and have for the last few years. When you watch them, you can see that it's not there. When they were playing the Bengals, they would punt, they would kick off and, and they, were, they would punt or whatever. And because the guy was fair catching the punts and because he wasn't really following his blocks, it didn't really expose him. Adoree Jackson is going to expose the Texans, and he gets to play him twice a year. 
I mean, he's going to have some huge games as a returner. And then as a cornerback, I mean, even on his sl- like the slant routes and the underneath stuff that Malarkey says he get- gave up, and he did, like he's better and better at it every week. And it's getting to the point where he's starting to make plays on the ball and he's starting to swing his hands in there and he's getting close. You know, you can tell he's slowly being more and more confident. And he also almost had an interception on the sideline. You know, it's everything Adoree Jackson does is better and better every week. And I think we've talked about it before. This is the first time that he's been really truly committed to football. So, it, you mm-hmm. know, all that with great coaching, with Dick LeBeau, with, you know, veterans like Logan Ryan, you know, all that I think is working in his favor. And he's slowly becoming a better and better cornerback. And because they're using him correctly as an outside boundary corner and moving uh, Logan Ryan into the slot when LaShawn Sims comes in because Dick LeBeau is so intelligent. He's doing that. It's not putting him in bad matchups. And I mean, you can tell they're not afraid to leave him with any corner one-on-one or else they would have made him follow the worst of the two uh, Oakland receivers. They put him on one side of the field and they say, this is your side of the field for this whole series. And then he goes out there and just I mean, he doesn't shut people down, but, you know, he doesn't get beat for big plays or he hadn't yet, and he's always in good position. And then when you swing a pass out, he's going to tackle you low and he's going to spin you like an alligator and try <laughs> to get you down. And most times he does. So, I mean, that that's exactly how he tackles. So, I mean, you know, that having that from a cornerback is something that not many teams have, period, much less somebody that can also cover and also return kick. So I've been very pleased with the Dory Jackson, and I did not like him coming out. I, I, <laughs> I was not prepared to like him. He's done very well. I'm glad you emphasized yeah. the fact that he's steadily improved every week because when it comes to draft time and we look at a player that we say is raw, we use that word develop. And yet, for a lot of players, it never really seems to happen. We throw them into the fire. They're very average on day one. And when they retire from the NFL, they're very average. Adoree Jackson is someone that I have watched from the first day of training camp through all the preseason games, uh, through the little scrimmages they did in camp, and through the first two regular season games. He has improved every single week. And, And if you watch the games and you watch his coverage, it is obvious, and it's more than just not getting torched in coverage and not giving up easy stuff that he's gotten better at. I watched him yesterday and against the Raiders, bear catch punts that in the preseason he would have tried to return and make something happen and ultimately taken a big hit. It's things like that mm-hmm. that give you the hope and why Will just talked forever about you know how great this guy is going to be. I, for no reason, say that that is overhyping him because he's getting better every week and he's given me no reason to believe that he won't be everything that the Titans wanted him to be when they took him what 19th overall 18th yeah well from day one uh we knew we were getting a dynamic punt and kick returner we weren't exactly sure what we were going to get as a cornerback prospect at least in year one I think to this point he's exceeded expectations at least mine uh someone who uh, admittedly wanted Tredavious White instead of Adore Jackson because he was just a more traditional cornerback prospect uh, uh, with more, I guess, more tape on him and just better. He, he just seemed like a better cornerback. But, I mean, he's, Adore is kind of the whole package right now. And 
I'm not going to say he's a shutdown corner. In, in no way is that is that true yet. Um, but he's not he's not getting burned deep like many believed he uh, he might in his rookie season. Um, and he's a fantastic turner as is. Uh, and I just want to touch on on Will's point about the Texans special teams being bad. Uh, Alex Erickson uh, from the Bengals. Uh, in their previous game, he returned two punts for an average of 38. No, two kickoffs for an average of 38 yards, a long of 41. Uh, he had four punts, punt returns, a long of 26. And Adam Jones had two punt returns, an average of 20, and a long of 33. So Adore Jackson is housing one in week four. Get ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good bet. So uh, another new Titan who hasn't had the same start that Adoree Jackson has had, is receiver Eric Decker, who throughout his whole career I've been a big fan of. I like his style of play. I like the way he plays the receiver position. But it just hasn't really clicked yet with him and the Titans. And this is a guy who looked outstanding in camp but didn't play in the preseason. I have full confidence that it will eventually click and, and they'll find a way to use him effectively in the offense. But so far, aside from the two passes that he caught for first downs in the first quarter yesterday, I've seen nothing exciting at all from Eric Decker. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's fair to point out that he's 30 years old uh, and he's coming off major surgeries. Um, so I'm a little concerned. Uh, they try to get him going in this game after – a really dreadful week one, to be honest, where he looked slow. Uh, he looked indecisive in his routes. Just didn't look good in general. Uh, they tried to get him going early in this game, and then they just kind of went away from him. Um, he He's he's struggling right now, uh, safe to say, uh, which is inter- it's interesting that Decker and Murray are the ones struggling, uh, be- struggling because um, they're both near 30 years old. Uh, so maybe it's maybe they're just getting old. I just need a little bit of time to get going, but um, he's definitely uh, not as as fo- a focal point of the passing game that maybe we thought he was going to be. Uh, he might have to be if Corey Davis is out with his hamstring for a while, but it's just t- t- Taiwan Taylor, Corey Davis, and Rashard Matthews just look so much quicker than him, uh, and they're just more reliable than him at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think... Eric Decker is kind of like what we thought he was when he initially signed before all the hype happened in the preseason. Uh, you know, we heard so much about how great he looked and how he wasn't another Andre Johnson. And he may not be. I mean, he may just need some time in this offense and he may develop and, you know, that may be fine. But, you know, when he first signed, we thought, you know, a good depth signing, somebody who can play a bigger slot role if they don't want to use Taewon Taylor, if they don't want to play, put Corey Davis in there. But now that the rookies are coming in and stepping up and playing, you know, nothing against Decker, and there's a specific role for him, but I don't think he has to be a focal point of the offense. I think Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker can do a lot for you still, and I think Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor and really Jonu Smith all bring something to the table. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to be hard for him to find a lot of playing time going down the road. And I think they'll slowly phase in Taewon Taylor after seeing what he can do, you know, in the reverse and on that deep pass. So, you know, I would expect to see less and less or more game specific matchups for Eric Decker. I'll say this about he he's a pretty good blocker. So he's definitely going to have a role on this team going forward. Um, but we're not really using him uh, in the red zone like I thought we would be yet. But 
Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe in the future they'll get more, get them going a little bit more. Before we move on, I just want to say this. It would take a while before I started comparing him to Andre Johnson's tenure with the Titans. No, no, no. That was, <laughs> I mean, thank God for him for the for the Lions touchdown. Oh, yeah, but yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, it. I was actually eating lunch with uh, Mike Keith when uh, the signing <laughs> happened. And... Uh, we everyone freaked out. We were like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, they signed Andre Johnson, this Hall of Fame receiver. He's gonna go out in victory with the Titans, and what he played five, six games. He retired. He played five, six I mean, he, games, caught five, yeah. six passes. Yeah, I mean, I was I was eating brunch with uh, Amy Adams Strunk when the news <laughs> broke, and uh, we just laughed about it, you know, because <laughs> I I also have nice fun connections too. <laughs> Um, name name drops all around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jack Conklin. You've seen a lot of stuff. I have anyway on Twitter about how he hasn't been good this year and he's been getting beaten up. He had a pretty rough week one. There were some videos I saw of him getting bullied in in pass protection. And then yesterday he has uh, uh, the hat trick with three penalties. Uh. Is Jack Conklin experiencing a sophomore slump? Because I haven't paid that much attention to him when I've gone back and watched the games. Uh, Will, I know you watch the games. What What do you two see about Jack Conklin? Should we worry about him, I guess, is what I'm asking. I'm going to let Will take over because I'm still skeptical on Conklin. So I'll let Will what? Shed, shed some light. <laughs> That was let's, that was the Corey Davis voice our, from last week. Yeah, let's talk about our all-pro right tackle. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it, Conklin's fine. So Conklin's always been a guy who, when he gets to initiate contact, he almost always wins because he has great body position and he's got a strong core. He's really hard to move, and when he wants to move you, he generally does. You know, when he matches up and has to kind of play passive with 300-pound guys like Eddie Vanderdose uh, for Oakland, it's a bad matchup. So, I, I mean, usually he doesn't have to do that because that's not just that, that's just not the way the play develops. So, you know, he kind of plays flat-footed on one play and gets his feet out from under him and gets one, you know, vine that looks bad or, you know, one gif that looks bad, and everybody starts worrying about his demise. Let me tell you, a team that had 10 sacks last week because of two guys that are really bad on the Texans' offensive line would have done a lot more if Conklin was as bad as people are worried about. You know, they I wrote, I wrote about it today. Uh, Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell combined for one quarterback pressure, I believe, yesterday. And that uh, they make almost $30 million a year combined. You know, Calais Campbell is currently the leading sacker in the NFL based specifically off he, off of what he did against the Texans you know now I, I don't think he I don't think Calais Campbell saw a bunch of Jack Conklin but my point is that you know if you've got matchups like that on one side you can afford to send extra pressure the other way and Conklin didn't you know Conklin didn't get embarrassed he didn't have any bad plays the best thing you can say for an offensive tackle is that you didn't really notice him you know and I, I didn't notice Conklin do anything bad yesterday and the running game went well so you know, for all the concern, if the if the worst season Conklin has is this year, and it's because we don't notice him just completely burying people, 
I'm fine with that. You know, uh, let, let me remind y'all, especially the skeptics out there, that we're not too far removed from C-Tech and Potassi. You know, <laughs> right, don't right. don't worry. I mean, right. Potassi yeah, had a lot of talent. I think he was just uh, misused. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah like ask yeah, the Jaguars, should, like. Yeah, the way they should have used him is not as a football player. Okay, I, yeah, I understand I mean, the difference between zone and power schemes and chipping with tight end versus five-man protection. I understand that. But saying that an offensive lineman is being misused is a pretty lame excuse. Maybe they should have tried him like, at center. The, the only way it makes <laughs> they tried him everywhere else. Um, the only reason you say that, like, not you specifically, but the only reason that gets said is because Ken Wisenhut's scheme just leaves people out to dry. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, I get that excuse, you know, when you're matching your worst player against J.J. Watt in his prime before his back injuries and before, you know, he started to have his decline. But, um, no, I mean, uh, Conklin looks fine. Don't worry about Conklin. You know, he faced two tr- tough fronts and really only had a couple of bad plays, you know, Everybody, and again, I wrote about this last week, everybody was real concerned about how many hits Mario had gotten. You know, it's just, I'm not sure if he can handle all this beating. He got hit three times last week. (laughs) It was was tied for, I believe, second or third best in the NFL. And everybody was so worried about about Mario. Not not remembering that he ran in the only touchdown of the game for the Titans that game. You know, he didn't look worried about running this game. You know, he didn't look worried about standing behind his line this game. So, uh, you know... Everybody needs to calm down and quit hoping for the Titans' demise and spreading all this disbelief and discontent and just relax and watch the games. Real, real quick, shout-out to my man uh, Nick Wright from uh, FS1. His, he has a show now with Chris Carter. And yesterday he had the nerve to tweet, Are we allowed to start wondering if Marcus Mariota is actually going to be good? Year three, man. Time to start showing something. I'd like to remind you that Yo. this is the player who won AFC Offensive Player of the Month, not of the week. Of the week means you had a fluky good game. Offensive Player of the Month for the month of November, who decimated your Green Bay Packers, who I'm sure you national people would love to, to marry one day, uh, decimated... <laughs> Well, not decimated, but he beat the defending champ, Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos and scored touchdowns against that vaunted defense. I mean, what else are you wanting him to do in year two, Nick Wright? I mean, I, I don't I, I understand mean, it. I agree, Shouts to I agree my with Nick Wright. It was out of the region. Shut up. What do you mean you agree? Yeah, no, we definitely we should have drafted Dante Fowler in 2015. And then stuck at number one in 2016 and drafted Goff. That's an easy, easy decision instead of Mariota. Yeah. Or we could yeah, have gone Dante, Fla- Dante Fowler, Jalen Ramsey, or even Dante Fowler, Laramie Tonsil, and rolled with Mettenberger. Oh. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, the Mettenberger, uh, the Mettenberger Potassi combo that would have replaced uh, <laughs> Mariota and Jack Conklin. So, you know. But uh, sh- shouts to that dude for not being in the uh, region where you can actually watch the Titans play and just for looking at the box right. score. That would it's, almost it's tough- be like if, if during the, the kickoff game last week I had tweeted, man, they keep starting this Tom Brady guy, and I know they've, they've won yeah. five Super Bowls <laughs> with him, but I mean, he's had a horrible half of football. When are they going to give Garoppolo a chance? I mean, who is this guy? I mean, 
it's just an ignorant opinion. And and Will and I were talking about this a little bit last week. I can't stand 90% of the national media because they give opinions about stuff that they have no idea about. They don't, it's not even their fault. You just can't watch that many games and that many players uh, just across the whole league. So why even put yourself out there with a take that you can't back up substantially with data or even analysis it really doesn't make sense to me um and i don't understand why sometimes fans still think that mariota struggled in this game uh and that he struggled in week one i don't think he did it all i think he looked pretty pretty damn good in both games mariota had two bad plays one of which resulted in a turnover everything else was fine yeah, and and that one turnover could have been a miscommunication with his rookie tight end, for all we know. So, take that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've almost, I've almost got nowhere. It's like all these companies with all this money should invest in people to write and report about specific sites. Like, why, like <laughs> isn't that a novel idea? Like, get people that actually watch the games instead of just making up nonsense that you just assume <laughs> will float over or get you clicks. Like, that, that sure would be nice. What in it? That'd be convenient. <laughs> yeah. So y- yesterday's win, as we wrap up this episode, I think came down to two things. Number one, the Titans were able to uh, stop Leonard Fournette late in the game and force the Jaguars to make Blake Bortles throw the ball, which is not a good thing if you're the Jaguars. You don't want Blake Bortles throwing the football. And on offense, unlike against the game against the Oakland Raiders, when they tried to be the greatest show on turf and throw the ball around the yard to studs like Eric Decker, um, <laughs> they actually made a, a a dedicated approach to running the football. And by golly, when they did that, the play action opened up. I mean, it, it just it's such a novel concept that the Titans seemed to forget about in week one. Yeah, uh, Mar- Mariota throwing 41 times is not the answer as much as we want to get those passing new passing weapons involved, uh, which was not. I mean, it was nice to see Corey Davis in week one uh, get going, uh, make some make some nice catches. Uh, but this team, this is a run first team, just like you saw in week one, the Raiders. They're a run first team also. That's their identity. Uh, they just rode Marshawn Lynch well into the second half of the game. Uh, they controlled the game. Um, we couldn't tackle Marshawn Lynch. That, that was an aspect. Uh, and we kind of saw it this week with the Titans. The Jaguars couldn't tackle Derrick Henry in the second half, and look what happened. The same exact kind of blueprint for uh, for the Raiders in Week 1, uh, except we don't have Amari Cooper and, and uh, Michael Crabtree. Not yet, at least, because Corey Davis is a bit hobbled. Um, but, yeah, no, we're still, as much as uh, Exotic Smash, Smash Mouth is a— is kind of a, a running joke in the business. Uh, it's still a real a real football strategy, and and it works. It worked last year, and uh, by it worked the way, in this game. Who was it? Malarkey that was the first person to say the term "exotic smash mouth," or or if not, where did that come from? Because I, I think it was Malarkey. Yeah, it was Malarkey. And he then pro- it just he probably said it jokingly, Twitter. like we're gonna be, you know. Uh, I yeah. guess exotic smash mouth is what you could call it. And then the media ran with that. And they're well, like, Titans to employ what, what exotic happened, smash mouth attack. What, what happened is uh, he was talking about uh, when he used to uh, coach with the Steelers, how they would have uh, 
uh, slash, what, who is that? Uh, uh, Tyrell, no, I almost said Tyrell Williams. Uh, <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't think of what his name is. Let me look it up. Um, Wait, what's the question? The the quarterback that the uh, Steelers had when Malarkey was there, uh, Cordell Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, oh, they, they, Cordell Stewart. Yeah, and and they would run what they called exotic Smash Mouth, which, and and they went over and did it with Antoine Randall and stuff like that yeah, too, where yeah. it was a lot of window dressing and a lot of different kind of motion and like what we see now, and it was, you know more quarterback movement, more, you know, deceptive plays, more stuff, but also at the core of it was just a straightforward running attack, but you had to pay so much attention to guys like Taewon Taylor, like a guy who could, you know, be a jet sweep guy or a guy who could catch the ball. You had to pay attention to a guy like Marcus Mariota who could roll out, who could run, who could run the read option. When at the end of the day, all the Titans would love to do is go helmet on a helmet and go forward and get four yards in the cloud of dust over and over and over. But by doing that window dressing on a play and making it, instead of smash mouth, making it exotic smash mouth, you get better looks and easier you know, running lanes for your offense. So that's the concept of exotic smash mouth is it's smash mouth football with some decoration. I mean, we joke about exotic, but Delaney Walker scored a rushing touchdown yesterday on a fantastic mm-hmm. misdirection play. And then Jolston Fowler gets a three yard touchdown untouched because the Jaguars didn't want to tackle. But Jolston Fowler had his shoulder lowered. Like he was ready to run into somebody <laughs> and there was no one there. He was in the, he, Dude, he wasn't he's... even looking. He was just running forward. <laughs> He was just imagining Paul Kaharski. He was like, count my snaps now, and ran for a touchdown. <laughs> By the way, after the game, uh, Paul asked uh, Malarkey about, to talk about Jonu Smith's touchdown. And he said, well, Paul, the play was so, set up so well, I think you might have been able to run that one in. <laughs> he might be, uh, I don't that, know that if was... Paul is it as shifty as, as Jonu looked on the touchdown, but maybe, I don't know, it was good blocking. But yeah, I think that props to Paul. Like you know, if he's got Johnu's speed, congrats. But uh, yeah, that was funny. One last question before we wrap this up. On that note, if you could have one member of the Titans' mainstream media to throw a screen pass to, who would it be and why? Someone else go. I have to think about this one. Uh, hmm. <sighs> it's All right. tough. It's I, Glennon. I, go, Glennon. I, go, I go Mike. I go Mike Keith, um, hmm. and and I go because he looks. He's so low to the ground. Like it, he seems like he could shift around and like he could just go. Like he's got so much energy and he's like so excited. Like I imagine that he could have a burst of energy that's just enough to get you whatever you need. Like that's who I would go. Amy it's Wells, Jason Mike, Wolf. What are we talking about? Uh, it's Jason Wolf. Yeah, I, Jason. <laughs> Sorry, my fault. Jason Wolf. Uh, Can you imagine him in a Maybe he was. Maybe my answers are either Blaine Bishop, but that's kind of a cop out answer because, I mean, he's a former player. If not Blaine Bishop, my answer was going to be Amy Wells, but instead I'm going to say that intern kid that said the f word in the Tennesseans yes. video. <laughs> like he was I in mean, good shape. He looked like he could play. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got no more comments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We're digging ourselves into enough of a hole. That, that's going to wrap us up. 
tomorrow I'll have an interview up on the Titan Size podcast with Cameron Wolf of ESPN.com. And then we will be back later in the week to preview the Titans' upcoming matchup at home against the Seattle Seahawks. 37-16 was the final against the Jaguars. The Titans are 1-1, and and we are out. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. We will be back Friday or some day like that. Some some day that ends in day. (laughs) And uh, we will talk to everybody then from myself, Matthias Wadner, and Will Lomas. Talk to everybody next time.